Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are tackling the thorny and extremely divisive subject of the Australian election. Everyone has a view, everyone has an affiliation. Successful investing, of course, requires you to be detached from your own personal view and maybe looking at things a little bit more objectively. And we'll explore some of those challenges in this show. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurentiel. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Sad to hear they haven't elected to grab me a coffee and my tired brain is certainly looking at that. Oh, I can get you in to get you one right now. Thank you very much. Well, on the topic of election, whilst we do that, let's talk about the Aussie election. May 21st, we're a couple of months away from uh, you know announcing our future leader of the country. Mm. More importantly, what does that mean for economies, of our economy, excuse me, and for stock markets? Always an uncertain time. Um, you know, it can go one of two ways uh, in, in the case of our political system and certainly that time of uncertainty typically is something markets don't like. Yeah, markets hate uncertainty. They hate change. Uh, the devil, you know, oftentimes is is where markets tend to perform best. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. There'll be some great opportunities that fall out of it, but I think um, you need to be on your toes for this one because if you're on the wrong side of the ledger, I think it's got the potential to be quite an expensive uh, expensive one. A few interesting candidates. We've got ScoMo, whose election it is arguably to lose. Albanese, who uh, unfortunately doesn't know the interest rate, and then we've got Clive Palmer. <laughs> with uh, some very controversial advertising at the moment. So should be a couple of interesting months ahead. Absolutely. Everyone's favourite billionaire after Donald Trump, I think. Was Donald Trump a billionaire? I don't know that he is, Who but knows? Clive certainly is. And yeah, I mean, you know, what do you do when you've got money to spend? Let's, let's have a foray into politics. I think we can probably um, probably keep uh, Clive Palmer on the sidelines in terms of um, you know, potential prime ministerial uh, roles. But certainly, you know, with Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese uh, going at it, it's, it's, it's reflective of the times. It's such a yawning gap. There's no middle of the road anymore. Um, you know, politics really are. You're either there or there uh, and not much in between. Um, and it's uh, it's it's quite stuck. It's always easy, I think, when you're in opposition. You can say what you like uh, and you're not held accountable for it, whereas when you're in office, uh, it does become a little bit challenging. And you know, whilst we're going into this with, you know, what we saw was a brilliant budget, you know, from Josh Frydenberg. Well, let's talk about that now, mm. the budget. It's a big part of, of any, particularly leading into the election, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no real losers in this year's budget. It, it was a, it was an election year budget, no question about that. There was money sort of thrown at all the interested parties that uh, typically get uh, money thrown at them uh, when it comes to an election year. Uh, and, you know, we're coming off a pretty strong at the time economy, low unemployment, you know, good reasonable growth, low interest rates. Obviously, you know, a few months down the line since then, you know, inflation's reared its head. Uh, and, you know, we, particularly with commodity prices, you know, energy and, and, and fuel in particular um, being as strong as they are. Um, there are some major warning flags uh, coming. You know, we've got an interest rate hike despite Philip Lowe's fake promise of not moving rates till uh, 2024. He really should hang his head in shame for doing that. Um, yeah, there's some trouble coming over the horizon for the Australian economy. No question about that. And it's probably during those times when, number one, you need a good treasurer, and number two, you need solid leadership. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's quite an important election in terms of who's going to be uh, sitting in the lodge come uh, May the 22nd. Okay, well, let's dive a little deeper on now mm. our current candidates. AB, we've got ScoMo representing Liberal, who's currently in office, and then we've got Albanese, which is the opposition leader for Labor. Mm. In your opinion, what are the strengths or the policies that would come to the forefront of your mind for each party that's worth sharing? Look, without being political, and if I'm pretty honest, if they're the best two people that you can put up in your hustings to, to come in as prime minister, yeah, it's a pretty sad indictment on our country, to be perfectly frank. And you could argue the same in the US with Trump-Biden, you know, if these are the two clowns that you put up. Um, 
you know, you're going to get what you deserve on the back of it. And it's a real shame because there's such talent sitting in the wings. Um, there'd certainly be plenty of other people I'd put in the top seat rather than Scott Morrison and equally Anthony Albanese. Um, you know, I don't think they're necessarily the best people for the job, but it's politics. It's not about results. It's uh, it's about politics. And, uh, you know, they both have qualities and attributes. You know, I guess in the case of Albanese, it's a, a breath of fresh air through the Labour Party um, and, and, and an attempt to put a stronger face on the Labour Party. And, you know, it's electable and, you know, it can be economically prudent and so on, but track record, unfortunately, uh, from, from, from Labour's perspective over the economy in particular, tends not to be that strong. Whereas from a Liberal perspective, you know, it's almost universally agreed that you know, the Liberal Party is better for the economy and typically better for markets as well, which is a subset of that. Um, you know, and, and look, in the case of Scott Morrison, there's been a lot of gaffes, but it's his election to lose still, I think. Um, you know, and if I were the if I were the people running the political campaign, I'd be doing my level best to try and keep Albanese in front of a microphone as much as possible, as many press conferences as possible, and let them sink their own campaign. Okay, so different strategies for different government wins. Let's say a Liberal was to maintain office, mm. AB. What would you then be expecting from an economic perspective, and how would you then trade that in the stock market? It becomes a tricky one because the land landscape has shifted an awful lot since the budget. You know, there's some good money thrown around in the budget. As I say, it's an election budget, I suppose. Um, but the economic stance that's going to be required in a slowing economy, and if we continue to see stronger oil prices, higher fuel prices, higher food prices, the economy is going to stall and slow. Uh, on the back of that, we are going to be seeing interest rate hikes, which again will slow the economy down. Um, the, the nature of the, the, the economic management will need to shift quite considerably. Do you throw fuel at the economy to pump it up? Well, if you're raising interest rates to keep inflation under control, the argument is probably not. So you run the risk of seeing a more austere um, spending campaign from the Liberal Party um, and a Liberal government, and particular maybe focus on debt reduction uh, as part and parcel of that. Uh, and I'd say that's a, that's, that's a, a fair probability that you're going to kind of see that pull away, if you will, of government support and the money going into debt reduction rather than into the economy. After all, there's no point raising interest rates to reduce inflation if you're going to be throwing government money uh, as subsidy in there. Uh, by contrast, if you see Labor come in, then you know it's going to be a, a cash distribution bonanza, particularly for lower income groups. And that's not going to really sit well with a rising interest rate environment where you're trying to contain inflation because that money will get spent in the economy and, and continue to propel prices higher. So if I have this correct, Liberal in office is typically good for, for, for the economy and then Labor is not if we're going to be completely binary. So mm. let's just take the, the, the hypothetical example that Albanese was to win the election mm. and get into office. As a trader, how would your strategy shift, if anything? <laughs> Buy some insurance on the market, I think. Um, short the market. Yeah, I think I'd be short the market uh, because, and, 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 and probably particularly the Aussie, actually, if you look at the currency markets uh, on the back of that sort of thing too, I think there'd be quite a knee-jerk reaction there in the currency markets. And, and again, this is quite a tricky interview to do because we try not to be political in terms of our own views with this. It's trying to look through that objective lens as to which group has what impact on the economy has seen. Uh, but yeah, by and large, I think a, a Labour win and I'd expect to see um, you know a, a loss of stability in the Aussie stock market and quite a dramatic fall um, pretty quickly. Okay, so a question to you, AB. As you mentioned, it's a, a relatively tough interview to conduct. How important is the political landscape for investors? Is it something that maybe consider around election or is it something that we should all really have an in-depth knowledge on? 
I think it's background noise, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, much of what's said on the political stage fails to materialise when it comes to reality anyway. You know, there are an awful lot of promises made, very few of them are delivered. You know, you get promised the world and given an atlas, it's not quite the same thing. And, you know, that's, that's politics the world over. Um, the reality is it's just a distraction in news flow for, for the next couple of months. You know, and it always interests me when you have people, you know, they sit up and they analyse the budget to death and, look, we've got advisors that do that for us and come up with a, an executive summary. These are the things you need to know that, that are important. Um, doesn't matter what's said, you're not going to be able to, you've been dealt a hand. That's what you're getting and you've just got to work out what your strategy is within that hand. So, um, you know, it is going to be noisy for the next couple of months until it disappears off the radar and then there'll be something else that steps into the breach. And I think it's just a distraction from COVID or the war in the Ukraine or, or anything else that's going on in the media right now. We're just going to be subjected to, uh, well, it's not that much actually, about seven weeks of or eight weeks of, uh, of campaigning. And, uh, and 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 cue the advertisements. There's probably one on the on this podcast I'd right now. I'd say you probably get some SMSs along the way as well. That seems to be an interesting one these days. And you know, lots of uh, pictures of babies being kissed and people at pubs and doing all sorts of stuff out of character. And you know, it's it's just window dressing at the end of the day. Uh, we go to the polls, people will vote. And you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes our attention span is such that people vote for change for the sake of oh, we'll just have a change. You know, the Liberals have been in for a while. Let's just have a change and see what happens. And seldom does that work out too well um you know kevin rubb will be a classic example of that okay so in the next eight weeks ab is there anything that you would suggest our listeners do right now Look, I think as, as you get closer to that um, that that time of the election, I think I'll be definitely looking at buying some protection on a portfolio of shares um, on the basis that if the ball bounces um, you know, to the left, so to speak, then um, you know, you're likely to see some level of weakness in markets. Either way, you know, I think we are drifting toward a recession in Australia and it's a question of who's going to be able to steward that ship most quickly and most painlessly out of that. And it's unfortunate timing uh, that, you know, with an election now where there's a chance, you know, if campaigns go the way that their campaign directors are trying to set them up to, uh, that we see a shift in government. And if we see that and it's a Labour government going into recession, that that to me is, you know, that's a, that's a five-year misery cycle. Uh, again, not politically based. It will just prolong the pain of a recession versus, you know, a Liberal win will probably steward the ship a little bit more tightly from an economic prudent perspective and you know you come out with a two or three years of pain instead what about buying some volatility and the reason i say that is because this is an uncertain event where we don't know the outcome not to mention the fact that may as a month for stocks seasonally is usually quite weak the banks pay their dividends Mm. and we usually see some reports so would buying volatility make sense? Yeah, I think buying volatility by that, you know, you could be um, you know, buying option on the index, for example, uh, right now uh, f- for an election outcome is quite prudent because at the moment that volatility isn't probably as priced into options as it will be as we get closer to D-Day. So buying volatility or as we get closer to D-Day, selling volatility, I think would be the play. But right now we're in a buying vol environment. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people. Um, you buy volatility uh, when it's low and you expect it to increase. Uh, you sell volatility when it's high and you expect it to drop. And using you know the derivatives and particularly the options market, which is you know, where we play a lot, um, you know, buying some volatility now makes a lot of sense at current levels which we did for the US election mm. not too long ago, which Indeed. proved to be very profitable. I think for yourself too, you had a really good run on that, right? I don't like talking about those trades. <laughs> All right, we'll park those to the side. Leave, that between, leave that between me and the tax office. All right, no dramas. <laughs> AB, any final words before we cap off today? I say, irrespective of political um, affiliation, I think you've got to try and see things objectively uh, and not just objectively for this suits my own personal life better than another party, but actually taking a step back and looking at 
you know, you know what what's going on out there in the marketplace. Um, and, and and now is not a time to have a very broad based socialist labor reform type um, mandate in play. Uh, it's about prudent economic management, which unfortunately is going to be painful, but better short term pain uh, than long term misery. And so trying to distract yourself from what your own political view might be to, to, to kind of see that. And, you know, how do you see that? Well, that's just evidenced by pretty much every election outcome and and and, uh, and political mandate over the last sort of 50, 60 years. It's a, it's a well trodden path. Um, and uh, yeah, and hoping other people see it that way. I guess if we live in a democracy, which we don't, but if we did uh, live in a democracy, then uh, we'd get to see, you know, what are, what our people actually think. Whereas, yeah, the risk we run in Australia is a sort of second or third party deal on the side, where you know you end up with you know, a minority party having an, an excessive amount of sway and say in what goes on economically, and that's an absolute disaster. So let's hope it doesn't end up there. Politics, an interesting game, and uh, as you said, a fair bit of window dressing to come. So, look forward to that in anticipation of. Oh, there'll be some ripper headlines and some major bloopers with the two people running for office. And, and, and look, you know, let, let me finish on a respectful note with the two people running for office. Yeah, they're going to be some bloopers. What's really sad to see, and I think it's a reflection of the the breakdown in the fabric of our society is just the absolute lack of respect uh, for office. So, you know, you end up with a prime minister, irrespective of who, uh, which part of that prime minister is from, you know, with no respect from people. They're just treating them like they're just a, a fool. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're the elected official to, to run the joint and they deserve to be treated. Well, maybe not deserve, but they should be treated with the respect that uh, that position affords. And hopefully, you know, this is a, this is an election campaign where there's an element of decency and respect that's shown. But I think just given the general tone of society right now, that's probably asking a lot. AB, thank you very much for your take on this one. Let's hope we didn't rustle any too, too many feathers in this episode, but always good information. Thank you. Anytime. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.